3: as we welcome you along to the programme, John Paul already taking your calls at 0818 103, 103 and I can see texts and whatsapps coming in to 0862 103, 103 keep them coming. Let me just start with an email that we received in overnight from Val who has asked us to thank everybody working at Ballin Felic Engineering that's the engineering company in Crossbarry. Uh, she says especially the lady on the phone there yesterday who came to Val's help and offered to help her after Val got a flat tyre. Then there was a gentleman from Court Brack in Blarney that came along. He changed Val's tyre for her and she says in her email it is a nice reminder that the world is full of good people. (laughs) Well done. Uh, And she wants to say a big thank you to everybody who helped her out yesterday and indeed thank you Val. We always love to get those emails and those texts in acknowledging uh, when there is an act of kindness done. So thank you Val for that. And let's start the programme as it is a Friday. Let's start with a little bit of good news. This is regarding the payment of the €1,000 pandemic bonus and West Cork Dole Deputy Michael Collins uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. Good
4: morning Patricia.
3: And you're very welcome to the programme. Now you have been lobbying on behalf of the Home Support Workers, what we affectionately refer to as, as Home Helps uh, with regard to this pandemic bonus and you've got a little bit of really good news for these workers.
4: Yeah, we, we, you know, I was on your own station here on 103 FM uh, on, on Monday, I suppose, fighting the calls for the, the the home hit, uh, work, and also the carers, in fairness, I, I, you know, I was in a date with different groups seeking you know, for us to take up the position to fight for their the one thousand recognition payment. But in fairness, the home help and the carers stood out a mile in, in in my view. And the home help, especially, had been gone. You know, had been going from door to door, had been actually keeping people in their homes, even going into COVID settings in many cases. Um, and 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 cases where no families were able to attend to a house, they were able to go. They went there bravely and carried out their duties. But unfortunately, they were uh, they weren't going to get uh, this one thousand euro recognition payment. For whatever reasons, we don't know, but uh, we, there was a lot of lobbying being done. There's a lot of contacts and ministers. Office um, in the last in the last week raised the doll in the last week and thankfully I raised it again yesterday because it was something I wasn't going to let go and um, it the townish with questions yesterday but it happened to be Michael McGrath was there and he uh, rose to the floor for the first time and announced that all home help including the private companies uh, them home help workers will be included in the home help brick in the one thousand euro recognition payment now that because that's but,
3: important it's for the it's the HSE workers and the main Many that are employed by private companies.
4: Yes, indeed. And that is that is, that is a, 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 a great announcement. And, and, you know, and there's something that you took up with me as well last Monday, you know, and the lady said to me, Michael, it's not the money, it's the respect. And yeah. that's the point I tried to get across the whole time. You've told, and, and unfortunately, I always find that when it comes to home health, there's, a, there's an element of disrespect. You know, home health, when they wanted the vaccination, they came to me. We had to fight tooth and nail for them to get that. When they wanted PPE gear, um, we had to fight tooth and nail to get it. And they should be treated in this. Same manner as 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 the person that attends a hospital or a. Or a, or a, or a uh, nursing home or whatever, because they are coming into a person's home. They, it is an uncontrolled environment that they're attending to, so like you know, uh, it, it, there's a lot of danger in it. And well, I think from when you
3: were from when you were on the program with us on Monday, since then we've heard from home helps. We heard from home helps who contracted COVID nineteen in the course of their work, but we also heard from home helps who say, hand on heart, they managed to keep older people safe and well so that they didn't end up in hospitals so they were taking pressure away from the hospitals particularly when the hospitals were really, really struggling and they know they've kept a lot of those elderly people safe at home and kept them COVID free.
4: Absolutely, and, and with this one thousand euro recognition payment, they should have been at the top of the list, the same as as, as others who got it. And unfortunately, they weren't. And I, I also am fighting very strongly, and they weren't included in this yesterday. The carers, the carers have done trojan work and and get very little thanks for the work they do and what they say the state. And unfortunately, that's the new battle I have to take on. But for now, at least, the home helps um, have, have now been included. I think this whole. Uh, 1,000 euro recognition payment uh, petition was only half-baked idea. It should have been properly um, thought through before it was announced and not to be hurting or insulting people that that maybe felt they were as good as, 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 as others uh, to get this payment. Uh, well no, this
3: yeah there the was right. the feeling that there was a pecking order there was only certain yeah. people at the front line deserved it and those lower down the pecking order didn't and that, that was very unfair and you're right about the family carers I know Catherine uh, Cox of Family Carers Ireland uh, they're bitterly disappointed that they haven't been included because of the amount of work that they have done and continue to do
4: Well th- that's That'll we take up, um next week. You know, we, we, we're trying to take each sector as it comes, but especially the home health and the cares were the, were the, were the, the two sectors that I felt stood out, um and, and others might have felt they were, they were in a line of importance, but that's, they certainly stood out to me. I'm very, very happy that the home health have got it. I'm glad we took up that fight for them, um, for their, for the recognition and a bit of respect that they deserve. And, and, and there's a lot of them have contacted me this evening and, and, and um uh, Through tonight, even uh, thanking me. And again, it came down to the work, respect. The
3: respect of the okay. whole was the, was the winner this Well one. Well, well done, well done. And there's another group um, that I assumed were included, but I'm now led to believe they're not. And that's the workers in the disability sector, like the people in, in Co Action or in Cope Foundation or in St. Joseph's Foundation. They, they worked right throughout the pandemic. They're not included.
4: That's what I, from my gathering from questions that uh, were tabled in the talk yesterday, so they're not. And again, you know, it's kind of quite baffling because, I mean, they're all in a in a care setting. They're mind, yeah. you know. They're, dead. I don't know. I just, I just can't understand. As I said, I think the whole thing was happy when before it was announced. You could know by the T shirt the following morning, and and and, and when you were doing interviews, he was backpedaling. Um, and 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 they make peddle themselves into a situation where now they've accepted home health, and maybe you know we can put the the case for the, for for workers in question and and, and those, like you said, in St. Joseph, and and the carers. We have to put a strong case for them because they they're very deserved people, and they have to be respected. Has this, and you uh,
3: remember there was talk of this panel being set up, and they were going to sort of look at different groups. Do we know is that up and running?
4: Well. You don't know. I, I haven't heard since, other than the T-shirt the following morning. As I said, he, I felt he was backpedaling when you're saying he's setting up a panel. Because, I mean, to me, you set up a panel before you'd announce it and announce it and didn't. That's it. But obviously, just someone must have met during the week to make a change in decision. The, in the I was probably looking to the Minister for uh, Finance and Expenditure there. M- uh, Michael McGrath was there in the dark yesterday. So it obviously had been uh, discussed uh, hours before that and an announcement was imminent and he, he announced it there and then uh, after my question. But uh, someone must be discussing somewhere who the panel is. We don't know. Uh, Has the panel met? I don't know, but certainly changes have been made already um, to head to home health. So now maybe changes can be made to add the carers and, and, and those okay. working in the And airport.
3: a number of people asking any details of how and when it's going to be paid. There was some talks about March but March, uh, okay. definitely
4: no details uh, from
3: the Minister and somebody said you need to a- apply as far as we know no it'll just be no. made a regular uh, payroll payment will be made there might be another thing you might be able to look into to with the Department of Health because we're having no luck here we've been onto the Department of Health and we're getting nowhere on this this is to do with the COVID certificates and the COVID certificates we know we don't need to use them now uh, here at home but if you want to travel you do and I've had another text in similar to the one we did a few weeks ago this is from Catherine saying uh, good morning my third 13-year-old son got the second dose of his COVID vaccination on the 2nd of October. His digital COVID cert is valid for nine months. We're travelling to Spain at the end of July, which means his cert will just be out of date. A booster is not available to this age group, so he can't get an updated COVID certificate. It's an obvious anomaly which is going to affect thousands of families who are intending on travelling abroad this year. Is there anything you can do to investigate? Now, we've actually put that to the Department of Health a number of weeks ago. They've been back and forth, but they've Given us absolutely no answer on it. And, uh, Michael, so many people now are tra- making plans and a lot of families yes. want to travel abroad and they're caught with this. Can you look into it for us? We certainly, well, will, well,
4: certainly will look into it and the doll all. Uh, the first opportunity I, I can get, in, hopefully we'll get it started. Uh, there is a couple of months to, to play with in, mo- in yeah. most people's plans in, in relation to holidays and I would advise another. Another thing I'd advise people, and I know it's a different issue completely, is check their passports, because we're in on date with people that have uh, realised that, you know, in the last two years they haven't been looking at their passport. A lot of the passports are out of date and that's something they need to watch for too before they consider any holidays.
5: That yeah, and it's is,
3: a bit late is, as is you're heading to the airport. Uh, oh. And I would say, because uh, my husband's passport was out of date and we did it last weekend online. So, such, if it's a straightforward passport, it's so easy to do it online and I think we hit it back on Wednesday. So, I'd suggest to people you can do it online if it's not a complicated passport. Okay, as always, Michael, uh, thank you for that and thanks for joining thank us for on the programme. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, West Cork Dole Deputy Michael Collins to kick off the show with some good news for Home Helps. They are now officially to receive the €1,000 COVID bonus payment and of course that is a tax-free payment. So they are now joining frontline healthcare workers in nursing homes, porters and cleaners in healthcare settings, hospice workers, student nurses, Those working in the HSE test centres, members of the defence forces who were seconded to healthcare roles will all now be eligible. Staff in private sector nursing homes affected by COVID-19, they will also get the payment with the government stating that a pro rata arrangement will apply for eligible part-time staff However, workers in private hospitals and family carers are still not eligible. Along it seems now with workers from the disability uh, sector, particularly those that are in um, that work within the. Section 39 organisations, the ones that we would know the best here in uh, Cork City and uh, County. And once again, as soon as I have mentioned the 1,000 euro COVID bonus uh, payment, the arguments and the reasons why other groups should be included are very much being put forward. Somebody said, What about all the members of Vanguard this Corner? They were out there in the thick of it during the pandemic and they put their lives at risk because every time they stopped someone in a car, they wouldn't have known if the person was COVID positive. Are not and another listener saying are the government trying to say that only hospital and home helps are they trying to say that they're better than the people who went out and worked just as hard in all different sectors during the vi- during the virus particularly those working in a retail and indeed other workers who went to work in manufacturing this country is becoming very discriminated, discriminatory uh, uh, says this uh, texter putting forward why others should be included as well hi Patricia does the COVID overpayment include home helps, working for private companies that's for Mary it does uh, Mary uh, Michael McGrath Minister for Public Expenditure who confirmed this news yesterday in the doll said that home help workers employed directly by the HSC are by a private provider doing work on behalf of the HSC will all be included in the recognition uh, payment. So if you've worked for or you know somebody worked working for a private company uh, you will get uh, the payment. And then someone else is saying, Patricia, what would happen if you worked as a carer, Now, I'm assuming you're saying as a home help throughout the lockdown, but you've changed Uh, jobs. I'm unsure what's going to happen there. I do know that the government have have said there's a pro-rata arrangement will apply for eligible part-time staff. So if you worked for part of the pandemic, I'm assuming that that pro-rata arrangement would kick in for you. Whether you're going to need to apply or not, I don't know. Let's wait and see when the payments start to get made and the payments are expected to appear in the regular payroll payments of workers by March. You may need to get on to I don't know who you worked with. If it was with the HSE you may need to get on to maybe the, the payroll officer that you were dealing with or if it's a private company maybe get back on to the private uh, company uh, to find out but I I would think the fact that it is they are including a pro-rat arrangement for people eligible for part-time uh, staff I would imagine if you worked for part of the, the time during the pandemic I certainly would think that you would be entitled to it but you certainly will you need to get clarity on that John Paul's taking your calls 0818 103 103 you can text you can WhatsApp to 0862
2: Court today on C103.
6: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie.
3: Irish fishing representatives were hoping that common sense would prevail at a meeting with the Russian ambassador yesterday ahead of planned military drills off the south coast next week. To see how the meeting went, I'm joined once again by Patrick Murphy, CEO of the Irish South and West Fishing producers organisation. Good morning Sir Patrick.
7: Good morning Patricia and ah. thanks once again for putting me on
3: Well you're very welcome. Did common sense prevail do you feel?
7: Well we felt so and we said so when we came out of the meeting but there seems to be confusion now within the media and it's all boiled up again
3: Did, okay, did the ambassador first firstly, did he have an, under, an understanding of your concerns and how the exercise could and would disrupt marine life?
7: Absolutely. and Now, they, they aren't saying that they were going to harm marine life. They disputed mm-hmm. that fact. But that's their opinion.
3: But they did have an understanding of how it would disrupt your work as a fisherman.
7: Yes, and how we know this, Patricia, is very easy to understand. He is going back to Moscow with our concerns. And I was told by Alexander, his attaché or his counsel, that this has already been done. What is not helpful is that people are reading into what we had said and, and, and making mountains out of it. And, Patricia, it is clear to me now how we always end up in conflict because people want to to, to blow it up and, 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 you know, make it worse than it is. And it's not helpful. And we are at a precipice, as far as I'm concerned, in Europe, where the Russian nation believes that their border is threatened, they're then in turn threatening the Ukraine border, and there could be a loss of life from this, so certainly we don't want to be embroiled in that side of the house. We just want our fishermen to go into their traditional fishing grounds, be allowed to catch their fish safely, bring that fish in, and you know what? Hopefully, get a good price for it.
5: Yeah,
3: that's what it's all about, and that's what that that as fishermen, that's what you wa- that's what you want more than anything. But there was okay, there was talks of a buffer zone.
7: And that was discussed. Yeah. So in, in the general round of terms, basically, it was a case that there, you wouldn't be going on top of us and we wouldn't be going on top of you. You know, the general sense of the, of the conversation that was agreed between the two, we reached an understanding. That's now, common sense. That's common sense. So yeah. That's just part of the use of language. This is to reassure our both and to be able to tell the public. That not officially would there be a, a designated buffer zone, but sense would prevail. And, you know, this is where we're trying to explain to the world, right? Stop looking for trouble. We've enough of it. Please look on the positive, right? Right across on this. Because there'll be less conflict. And the talking keeps going and the bullets don't start to fly. It's simple,
3: OK, you before you went into that meeting yesterday, you had, I think, just received the, uh, the marine notice issued by the government. You seemed very annoyed about that marine notice yesterday, Patrick.
7: Oh, absolutely. I was not annoyed. I was furious. Why would a minister undermine a, a negotiation or, or, or a, a meeting between the ambassador and any party that would undermine it beforehand? Unbelievable for, him, for a person in that position to do that. They couldn't be bothered to go and meet the ambassadors themselves but flip flop on their decision making. Oh it's okay, we'll wait to see which way the wind blows. And that politics I've seen enough of it in my lifetime. You know, it's disgraceful. You're paid to do a job, you're you're in a privileged position, elected to represent the people that that put their trust in you. Start earning your crust.
3: But they would say that they had no choice but to issue the marine notice for your safety's sake and the safety of all the other fishermen who might consider going out.
7: Now, to emphasise this, I'll use one word. Harsh it. Now, it's like this. If you're driving down the road, right, and you're on your legal side of the road, who is right away? The person coming out of the cross or the person on the road?
3: person so on the road.
7: we were going to be on the fishing grounds before the Russian fleet. And if we're on the fishing ground first, Who's endangering who? We are a fishing boat that trawls along the ground at three or four knots. We have a net outside of the back of the boat. We cannot manoeuvre with great um, turning faster speed, whereas one of these ships could turn on a tuppence. So, of course, you leave way. It'll be like somebody coming down the hill, um, Patricia, with a big trailer behind them, and you're driving up the hill. Do you give way or do you force him to stop in the hill? You always give right away. And that's the same with naval outside. You give right away. So for us to get that notice, we're in, we're on the ground and the Russian ships hundreds of miles away. What was the purpose of that?
3: Did you check with insurance companies to see would, if with a marine notice in place, does that affect your, affect your insurance?
7: Just to tell you now, it was on to a couple of our lads. We've given that instruction back to them and I haven't heard back individually from that, but I do know that that is happening, but I haven't heard back the response yet. Okay. Look, I'm hoping the insurance companies say, Patrick, of course we're going to cover the boats. We have a long working relationship with you. We are in partnership. We are working with you. This is the language that should be used, but we were concerned about it and, and afraid when we heard this because this was one of the lads brought this up. and said, Jesus, Patrick, what is this? And, and then he was going to contact the insurance company. So, look... This shows how careful we are with the lives of our fishermen and what they're doing outside there. They have a difficult enough job, Patricia, as everybody knows. They've been shafted by the European Union and our government when it comes to Brexit. Shafted. Absolutely shafted. And the bigger story will be whether we're going to be forcing our boats to take money from Europe, underpay them to give up their livelihoods and give up their way of life for a pittance.
3: And then will we look back one day and bemoan the fact that it happened, like we've done with the railway lines, like we've done with the sugar factories? And the fear is, we'll look back and say, why do we let all of our fishing fleet uh, go? So the plan now is, Patrick, you're you're going out on the first of February, which is Tuesday, is it Tuesday? Yeah,
7: but the the, our boats are already out there. Okay. People don't understand our boats are in different areas of the park. If I'm fishing. I was contacted this morning. Now, there's four or five boats that are fishing there. Okay. Not in the designated area for the military exercises, but close enough. But we've spoken to our boats. They want to continue to fish. They don't want to endanger themselves. And the ambassador explained this, and this is the key point. He knows, and he's given assurances, These are, he, can, he will back up 100%, that his um, naval um, personnel, the lads on the boats, you know, the sailors, have no intention, not one of them, to interfere or to go near or to harm a hair on the head of any Irish fisherman or do any or endanger them in any way. And that, and I take the men at his word, and it makes sense to me, you know. So we went to talk to them. We wanted to find out what they were doing. They allayed our fears. We are so confident in the meeting that we asked the department to withdraw the notice. But they need to, if they don't believe us. Leave them get on and do what we did. What their job is, go in and ask to meet the the, the ambassador and talk to him.
3: Yeah, and get the reassurances that the Irish uh, trawlers can fish safely uh, during the naval exercises. But, At this stage, are any of the Russian boats in the area yet, or they're on their way?
7: Not that I know of. I think they're I a couple of days off. But okay. Patricia, you see, you have to understand this is we're we're still part of the negotiations, right? that man has to go back to Moscow and say this. And the use of the wrong language could undermine everything that we've achieved to date. And that would be a tragedy, and it would be crazy, right? Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is this, is please be cognizant, anybody listening to this, all we're trying to do is make sure we have a safe environment for our fishermen to fish. It's a tough enough job. They're at it hard and long hours, days and weeks away from home, and there are families worry about them on shore. We have, unfortunately, had the tragic circumstances that some of our people have left and didn't come home. And that is always to the fore of our mind. I've lost friends to this industry. I've even lost cousins to this industry. So I'm always aware of this and the dangers are there. But we have to do it. And as John Nolan said from Catterdown Bear, his toughest part of his job is to go to the house of the family of these families to tell them the news. And not only that then <sighs> he sees a member or a family member next week getting into another boat and going out despite the tragedy. Do you know what I mean? I know, so that's we're made of sterner stuff. I know.
3: You're, 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 you're great guys. Listen, all we can do is, is wish for you to stay safe and well done. I think you've done uh, remarkably well at that meeting that you had with the, the, the Russian ambassador. What, did, was it intimidating? Did you feel intimidated or how did you feel going into it?
7: I, I know I'm going to get into trouble for keep saying this. What? But if, we, if my meetings with the department were as good, I'd be a happier man.
3: <laughs> oh, listen, we'll stay in contact with you, Patrick. In the meantime, thank you for that. And thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning. Take stay care. stay care. safe. Stay safe. That is Patrick Murphy, CEO of the Irish South and West, West Fish Producers organisation following that meeting with the Russian ambassador uh, yesterday. Cork
2: Today on C103.
6: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie.
3: Now earlier this week we launched a campaign along with our sister radio stations around the country and The Sun newspaper saying it's time for a change in our attitudes to women and our Call This Out campaign hopes to contribute to an end to gender-based violence. And Stephen Breen is the crime editor with the um, Sun newspaper and he joins me. Good morning to you, Stephen. Good morning, Patricia. And you're very welcome to the programme. Now, The Sun, Thank this you. week, uh, you're doing a variety of uh, interviews and, and pieces backing up this campaign. But in mm-hmm. particular, you, you heard from victims' families. Yeah. Do they, more than any of us, want this violence to end so that no other family has to go through what they've been through?
8: Yes, I think when we're debating this subject about violence towards women, I think when we have the conversation that the families of those women who have lost their lives through very violent actions are central to the whole debate. And my my colleague and I, Nicola Barton, interviewed uh, many families over the last week, and indeed we we have more interviews over the weekend as well, and all the families that I interviewed whose daughters, whose sisters, had been brutally murdered, but we're all saying the same thing that following the death of Ashley Murphy, they can't believe that you know here we are again talking about you know a, a young woman losing her her life with a whole future ahead of her, and they are all extremely concerned and uh, they want it addressed by various stakeholders you know such as the Department of justice, government, but also in society as well, and for families, for fathers you know for men like myself also you know, uh, address uh, certain views that, that are, uh, women are subjected to and, you know, uh, awful language that's often directed against women in, in all kinds of settings. So I think it was important. And for me, uh, one of the, the families I spoke to was uh, 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 this individual, Gordon Malloy, murdered Kira Campbell, and her father, Mihaw was, was adamant that he's a teacher himself, so he educates our, our young people, and he was saying that, for he, he thinks it's important that, you know, young people, young males, do get to see the consequences of what happens, you know, because things can quickly escalate from, you know, name-calling to, you know, uh, uh, violent assaults on women, sexual assaults, rape, to uh, obviously the most extreme form of violence, which is murder. But he just wants to educate our young people and to let society know that the, the consequences and violence against women, it's just horrendous, and he just wants it to stop.
3: And the families, like, do they feel almost like they're they're forgotten about? And yet, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm assuming you got the sense that their lives will never ever be the same again.
8: It's absolutely uh, horrendous, uh, Patricia. The, the the families that I've spoken to, well, when this happens, obviously they're dealing with the loss of a loved one, and nothing can prepare you for losing a loved one through uh, a violent action. Um, For for them, it's just obviously it was about pursuing justice. But when something else happens, if they do get justice, uh, which they're um, very supportive of, uh, but but when something else happens down the line, the memories of what happened to their loved ones comes flooding back. And that's what happened with with Ashley Murphy when her life was taken um, a few weeks ago. It brought it all back to them. You know, they have the conversation again. It just reminds them of the horrors that they went through. And so that's why they're basically just saying that, you know, enough is enough. It can't be allowed to continue where, you know, a young woman is going out for a jog on her own and doesn't come home in
7: broad daylight.
8: So they just, they're just they um, just concerned and they just want answers. But I've interviewed many families as well. They've never got justice, you know, people like Sandra Collins and indeed, you know, just this week, Mary R. Rostis, a young woman in Dublin, 18 years of age, abducted, shot in the head, buried in the Wicklow Mountains. And her killer uh, was never caught. So there is a justice element there too. And it's incumbent upon you know, the, the powers that be to pursue every angle and, and try and bring those responsible for these heinous crimes to justice.
3: I mean, we all talk about trying to get closure and, you know, you wonder, do the families ever get closure? But I, I take it the ones that don't get justice must never get closure.
8: They, they they never get closure, but obviously they, they never forget their loved ones and the, the people that like. For example, Sandra Collins, twenty years ago, and um, she was murdered, uh, disappeared. Her body has never been found. All those other uh, missing women, you know, Thea Jacob, and JoJo Dollard, people like that, you know for them there's a a double sense of of pain because number one they don't have justice and and number two they've no grave to go to 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 mourn the loss of their loved ones so it's just been horrendous and again when, when the violent action happens it brings back their pain as well and each and every one of them, like for example, even the, the Collins family in Mayo, the, all they want is, is a, a, I think their their loved one, Sandra, a Christian burial. Yeah. They, they're not even concerned about justice. They just want her
3: home. That's really hard. I I, I always think those the women that went missing th- for their families. And when you mentioned JoJo Dollars, I remember mm-hmm. her sister Mary Phelan, who sadly is no longer with us. Yeah. God, I interviewed Mary so so many times, and you could hear it in her voice, the pain. Mm-hmm. Years and years after JoJo went missing. And, and in the end, that's all she wanted. You know, she was gone well past trying to f- find out uh, whoever was responsible. They just yeah. wanted Jojo to come home so that they yeah. that they could bury her. You, you mentioned um, Maria Rostas. Mm-hmm. You did a really good piece uh, with her brother, who was mm-hmm. only a teenager at the time. But yeah. the effect her murder just remind us of what happened to, to 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 that young woman.
8: Yeah, when I first came down to Dublin, the work I was working. Belfast in a newspaper up there, so I came to Dublin in 2008, and uh, and I was just struck. I was obviously trying to familiarize myself with various cases that were ongoing and um, various investigations, and I was just struck by the the appalling murder of Mary R. Rostas, who came to Ireland with her family. Her family came first. She came in December 2007. Her father and her mother didn't have you know very good English, so they found opportunities hard to come by. Um, and... Being part of the Roma culture, it's acceptable for them, you know, to, if they want to, you know, lead a better life for their family and children, they, they, um, would, would beg on the streets. So she was, um on the streets with her younger brother, Dimitri, who was only 14, January 6th, 2008, and around 2pm, a car approached Mariara and her brother and offered him, an individual in the car offered her a uh, 10 euro, told her he would take her to, uh, McDonald's for a food and then her, her younger brother watched as she got into the car. She was very naive, she was vulnerable, you know, and very little uh, command of the English language and was taken away and um, a missing persons appeal was launched. The guards initially thought it was arranged, marriage, did she go to England or was she with friends? But there was no breakthrough until the summer of 2008 when um, a number of phone calls were made and naming a suspect in the case. That man had links to the organised crime. Alan Wilson. He was subsequently um, arrested and charged, but he was cleared uh, at a court of the murder in, in uh, June 2014. So that, that was when his best friend, uh, Fergus O'Hanlon, who's now in state witness protection, turned against him and uh, gave evidence against him. But there was there was no justice at the end of the, the case. And in 2012, her remains were found in, in the Dublin mountains after. Um, uh, O'Hanlon came forward and she was buried in the shallow
3: grave. There was no sense to that murder. Not that there's ever sense to any murder but uh, a young girl not long in the country. It was just uh, really, really uh, shocking. So uh, Stephen, it's up to all of us isn't it? We all have a role to play in calling out any kind of ups- uh, uh, unacceptable words and actions.
8: I-, I think so. Look Patricia, I've been in, in social settings uh, where um, you know, men that behave inappropriately towards women or using foul language or, you know, pestering them. And, and you just you just have to say it and, and, and call them out. And, and I've done that. So, like, we all have to take a step back. and We all have to say, that as an individual, as a man, as me, as a parent as well, so what can I do to help change um, attitudes and values? I can instill good values in my, my, my sons as well and just teach them that, you know, when they do get older, to treat women uh, with respect and with dignity and to treat them as equal partners and, I think, and if you do come across uh, any uh, untoward behaviour towards a woman, then simply, as the campaign says, call this out and, and say to individuals that is wrong, and that that woman feels uncomfortable, and you shouldn't be talking to her like that. So it's just a, a, an approach where I think it's it's important for everyone to be responsible and accountable.
3: Yeah, we we spoke with uh, Professor Louise Crowley from UCC. They have a fantastic uh, bystander intervention uh, program, uh, mm-hmm. which is really because th- some people are afraid they don't know how to, how to do it, and you can do it. You don't; it doesn't need to be done in an aggressive way. But no. simply, you know, particularly if you're in in a situation where it's, it's guys together at a bar or whatever, yeah, you can pull somebody aside, just you know, and just have a quiet word. It doesn't have to be done in an aggressive way.
8: No, just say, "Listen, look," and I've not just a couple of years ago before the lockdown, you know, I was out over Christmas and there was an individual who was pestering a friend of mine. And I just said, look, will you do me a favor here? You just, she's not interested and um, wasn't aggressive at all. You know, she just wants to be left alone. She's having a night with her pals. And I think there was strength on board from this individual. But if you talk to them and you're sensible and you're courteous and you're not aggressive, and then once I think if you, if you put forward a logical uh, argument and then hopefully... Like on that occasion, you know, someone did leave leave my friend alone. So I think it's important just to have that conversation and not be afraid to do that.
5: Yeah, well
3: done. Well done. Uh, And that peer-to-peer, I think, is is really powerful. Somebody Give somebody a bit of a wake-up call. Uh, Listen, uh, Stephen, thank you for that. And well done to everybody in in The Sun for getting uh, involved in this campaign uh, with us. We'll speak again, but thanks for joining us. Thank you, Ticker. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Stephen Brien, who is the crime editor with The Sun, part of our Call This Out campaign.
6: You're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed
3: A lot of commentary uh, coming in uh, before I get to some of your comments a listener wants to know does anybody know how I can get my dog from the dog's home they don't answer their phones says this uh, listener God, so I'm assuming the dog was picked up deemed astray and somehow the owner uh, how have you found out that your dog is in the dog home I wonder I, I, I don't know I haven't heard of dogs being picked up and brought to the dog home in quite some time but obviously it is going on on. If anybody knows how our listener can get their dog back from the dog home, can you let us know please? You can give John Paul a call 0818 103 103 On um, the fisherman that we spoke with, with Patrick Murphy who went to see the Russian ambassador yesterday. A couple of people commenting on that. Uh, the, this is Sean who is signs himself Sean ex Navy He said, Patricia, where do the Irish Navy do their training? Is it out on the lock? Thanks to the government our Navy is so small and that's coming from Sean as they say ex-Navy so very much a man in the know a skull listener says Patricia it's a storm in a teacup all this talk about Russia and their war games and and all that is going on it is Over time it's just a lot of hot water, a storm in a teacup and you'd like to think that that's exactly what it is but it's putting our fishermen are fearful of what's going to happen if they go out and fish and obviously as we also spoke about earlier in the week, it's the danger to marine life that could be affected by these military exercises. And then Michael in Mallow is critical of the fishermen who went to see the Russian ambassador yesterday and wonders what planet are they living on. The Russian ambassador couldn't give a damn about them. He's Russian, for God's sake. And as for the insurance companies, Patrick, who spoke to you, must be in cloud cuckoo land. It is their job to find ways not to pay out. He thinks they're going to say, of course, we'll pay you for the boat." if something happens. They will laugh into his face and tell him to, "Mm, off. The Russian ambassador was probably laughing his head off on the way back to Putin to tell him the news. That's a Michael Amala. Well, we hope that 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 isn't what has happened. And they reached out. You know, I, I see nothing wrong with the fishermen trying to go into negotiations, trying to talk, trying to put their case across as to why they're so worried about these Russian military exercises. And, you know, listening to Patrick, the ambassador seemed to have a really good handle and a really good understanding of where the Irish fishing fleet fish. And were, was very understanding of their concerns. So I see nothing wrong with him going along to that meeting uh, yesterday. Um, and another Michael this time, Michael in Castletown Bear, sees the very opposite view and he wants to say congratulations to Patrick Murphy, CEO of the South and West uh, Fisherman, uh, for what he and that other fisherman did yesterday. Michael also as reckons he is no doubt, but Patrick Murphy's name will appear on a ballot paper for a general election. I don't know. I'll, I'll, next i I'll have Patrick on. I'll ask him that. Has he political aspirations? Every good luck to him. And that's from Michael in Castletown Bear. Thank you for that, uh, Michael. Now, other issues coming in to us. Eileen says, hi, Patricia, I work in a school and I've been deemed a close contact, but I'm at a loss now as to what to do. I haven't received a text or a notification or a call from the HSE, even though they've been made aware of the situation in the school. I'm now pondering, is this happening in other schools? Is that why numbers for schools are so uh, low? I don't know if numbers for schools are low, but anyway, Eileen. Also, we don't have HEPA filters in our school Yes, where I work and I'm wondering if there's anybody else listening if schools have fitted them and are they proving beneficial and I don't know how many local schools actually have the HEPA filters installed but if your son or daughter is in a school with the HEPA filter or you're a teacher listening to us or somebody working in a school listening to us can you let us know for Eileen's sake do the HEPA filters work but just on the close contacts now the close contacts gets a little bit confusing Eileen what I would suggest you do is to go on to the hse.ie uh, website if you just literally google google Uh, close contact and what to do. I mean, I could be here all day going through the list of the different types of categories for close contacts. Most close contacts at this stage are people who are doubly vaccinated and have also had a booster. And I'm just assuming, Eileen, if you fall into that category, it really means unless you have symptoms Or unless you have, you get a positive antigen test, you really don't need to do anything at the moment. You don't need to restrict your movements, for example. But the HSC should be contacting you to send you out, close contacts get sent out a box of antigen tests. And what happens then is you need to do three antigen tests over seven days. You do the first one as soon as you get the antigen test. Or if you have an antigen test at home, I'd be suggesting Stick that little thing up your nose and start your antigen testing. But the idea is, you do the first as soon as you have your antigen test. You do a second test three days later, and then you do a third test on the seventh day. Now, if any of the antigen tests are positive, you obviously need to uh, report it. But you do you do not need to do another antigen test, and you do not need to book a PCR test. That's if your test is positive. Um, but you don't have to. You don't have to. Restrict your movements unless you get symptoms and unless you have a positive antigen uh, test. So, if you get a positive antigen test, you need to report your positive antigen test online and list your close contacts. You do not need to do another antigen test and do not book a PCR test. Okay, that's changed. I thought you didn't need to book up. anyway, but you only need to restrict your movements if you end up with symptoms or you end up with a positive antigen uh, test. But as I say. If you go on to the HSE's website, there is a full, full list on close contacts, but it's just, it depends on the type. There's so many different types of close contact. There's a close contact, you would be a close contact at at work. There's a close contact, for example, there's a home close contact, which is called a household contact contact. Then there's an outside your home which is referred to as a non-household close contact or a community close contact. And then it goes down to there's all various different things you need to do if you've already had your booster, if you haven't had your booster, if you're somebody who hasn't had any vaccination, if you've already had COVID-19. It just, it goes on and on and on. So I will be here all day, Eileen, trying to give out the different information to you. So I suggest that's the best thing you can do, is to go online and uh, check but you should be hearing from, I'm surprised that you haven't heard from the HSE, but you should be hearing from the uh, HSE. So hang in there. Uh, they may get on to you uh, yet. OK, and then I've had a couple of co- comments in with regard to the Home Helps that we started off the programme with uh, this morning. Claire says, hi, Patricia, absolutely delighted that Home Helps have been included. But says Claire, I also feel so many others deserve to be included. For example, shop workers. It is wrong to put one set of workers against another. Everyone did Trojan work throughout the pandemic and therefore I feel that everybody should be recognised. That's in from Claire. And then a number of people, you know, have been saying that people in retail should also have been included. Well, here is a retail worker who says, Patricia people should just be grateful that we survived the pandemic being able to see my family and friends and being able to enjoy my life is worth a way more than 1000 euro and that's coming in from a retail worker thank you for that to 0862 103 103. ok passport renewal that actually we mentioned earlier when Michael Collins when I was asking Michael Collins to look into the Covid passes and some of them are going to be out of date because from the 1st of February which is next week, the EU are putting a nine month date on covert certificates which mean if you haven't had a booster your original COVID cert will be out of date and it's catching a number of people with children because they're not entitled to a booster so their covert if they got their covert jabs early, their covert certificates will be out of date. And the majority of them will because many people will be going away in the summer. That then led to a chat about passports and Michael Collins was making the point if you are booking a holiday you need to Check your passports to make sure that they are in date because so many people grab the passport as they're heading to the airport, and you could be in for a nasty, nasty shock because you don't get sent out a renewal when your passport is about to expire. Patricia in Kanturk uh, joins me trying to renew her passport online. Good morning to you, Patricia hi good morning how are you okay I'm not too bad what's what's the problem you're having well
5: I've tried it now seven or eight times since yesterday online I've got my digital photograph they've got the code for that but it, it is not completing it it'll tell you that it's timed out even though that I'm doing it very quickly or that there is an error on the system it it's it's impossible to complete it at the end um, and then so I've tried the phone number and the phone number it says that there are everybody is busy, please try again. Then you have an option for a web chat, and I've tried the web chat, and the same thing, we're all too busy, and please try again. And I'm just wondering, are people finding it very difficult to to renew their passports? Is Is it the system is overloaded?
3: Yeah, because I, I did it last weekend. Hobbies was out of uh, date. And I have to say, I didn't have the issue. Uh, I got through, I didn't have any problem, filled it in, got to the pay, the part where, where you pay. So I didn't have an issue. But I'm wondering, could that be now the problem that there is a flurry of people trying to renew their passport? Um, and frustrating when you try to ring and you can't get through and frustrating. Oh, yeah.
5: is, there, yeah. is there an email, I wonder, is there any email address that you could email? So I don't know now if there is an email I can look for that yeah. uh, there is surely a general email for, for the department but um, yeah I'm just wondering because and that was the thing I think it was on your programme and, and um, I thought oh I better look at my passport and see that it's up in July and maybe everybody just woke up at the, at the same time <sighs> and said we better renew our passport Okay but, so you're um, not
3: you're not urgently in need it's not for urgent travel not urgently no no, No, okay All right. Um, I would see if you can find an email we in the meantime will do a bit of investigation this end and we'll throw it out to people anybody else having a problem you're able to input everything but it's just when you get to pay it's as if it times out
5: yes it has told me a couple of times that you've timed out Once it said that the photograph wasn't suitable, once it said, you know, that there's an error in the system, it's like it just breaks down at the end and I just can't proceed. And it's so frustrating, isn't it? Because Because it's a lot of time. You're spending a lot of time at it
3: you need to sit down and have nobody interrupting you and listen I then went on to try and book flights the stress levels of that I can tell Uh you different level okay hang in there and we'll see if anybody else is having problems thanks for that Patricia anybody else uh, can let us know if you're having problems in the the last few days now we're talking about as I say I did it last weekend and there wasn't an issue maybe now there certainly has been a spike in people booking holidays and booking flights and there's definitely been a lot of publicity gone on passports and maybe now people are starting to realise their passports are out of date and could it be that there's just a huge number of people accessing the system and that's where our Patricia is getting caught if anybody can help us with that uh, please do 103 103. and a word of warning for one of our listeners to say just to let others know I got what I would call a crank call from Ulster Bank. It arrived onto my house phone. I put it down immediately. They did have a name of somebody in the household but I don't think that person has an Ulster Bank account and it was asking me to press one so I did hang up. Now I remember Ulster Bank is about to exit this country. What I would say to you because we're all so nervous now aren't we about crank calls calls and scam calls, what I, would, what I would say to you is say to the person, obviously the, the name that they used, that person obviously wasn't in the house at the time, I would say to that person that about the call and about Ulster Bank and just to make sure that that person doesn't have an Ulster Bank account and it wasn't genuinely somebody trying to get through from Ulster Bank and if that person does have an Ulster Bank account then I would suggest that they contact the bank directly on a number that they know is genuinely the Ulster Bank. But in case that it is a great big scam at the moment, just to warn people about it. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. See 103 Jobs. MD O'Shea there in Balancolic. They have a vacancy for a trades sales person. You need to have some experience please in a similar role. Email jobs at mdo'shea.ie Cronin's Electrical they're looking for qualified electricians. They're also looking for first, second, third, and fourth year apprenticed. CVs, please, to accounts at cronanelectrical.com. O'Donnell's CVRT, they're the test centre in Mitchellstown. They're looking for a vehicle tester. It's for heavy and light good vehicles. Qualified mechanics, please, with relevant experience, may also apply as training can be provided. Call 086 6939. And an office administrator is wanted for an accountancy practice based in Bandham. You email info at lloydbowmaker.com. And that's how uh, the job link looks today. You'll find all the details about those vacancies and many, many more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs
6: for more. This is. C103.
2: Court today on C103.
6: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie.
3: According to the AA, fuel prices have gone up by a third in the past year alone. And it means Ireland is now one of the most expensive countries in the world for petrol and diesel. Joining me from the AA, Anna Cullen. Good morning to you, Anna. Good morning, Patricia. Am I right in saying fuel prices are now at some of the highest prices ever recorded in this country?
9: Yes, Patricia, you are right. Now, we did record record high fuel prices back in November. And they, you know we compared the prices this month to November prices, and they're only down by about 1.5%. And even in the last few days, we have noticed that the cost of oil, which is one of the reasons why fuel is so high, that has actually reached uh, ninety dollars in the last couple of days. So that's the highest that they've seen since twenty fourteen. So we feel that even next month the prices could be higher. Now we'll have to wait for our survey, which will be done in about two or three weeks. But we could be recording even higher prices in a few weeks' time. Now, at the minute, the price of de- of diesel is about one hundred sixty point five cents per liter, and petrol is 170.3 cents. Now, if you compare that to this time last year, that's a 33% increase for diesel and 31% increase for petrol. So it has the prices have increased significantly in the last year. And as I said, they will either stay high or they will increase even more for, for the next few months.
3: And what's your gut telling you? Is it up or down they're going over the next few months?
9: I would say either stay the same or they're going up. I don't see them coming down anytime soon. It's due to a combination of reasons. Tax, obviously, is a big one because 60% of what you pay at the pump is tax. That includes excise and VAT, which is 20%, and carbon tax as well, which increased in the budget last year. We saw that. Then you also have the cost of oil, which I mentioned. uh, That has shot up to $90 for a barrel of Brent crude oil, which is the highest since 2014. Uh, that if you know then we also have to look at the conflict between Ukraine and Russia if that disrupts supply the cost of oil could go up even more and then you also have the supply and demand issue which demand is right back up there again but supply is very slow to catch up
3: So it's like a perfect storm isn't
9: it? It is unfortunately and you know the people that are, we're all paying for it but uh, the people that are paying for it more most dearly is people in rural areas or lower-income families who do rely on their cars and they don't have the public transport infrastructure there. We also know that it has been reported as well that, you know, the cost of living in Ireland has gone right up. We're the 16th most expensive country in the world. Uh, So, you know, you have to factor in your rent, household costs, your groceries, and now you have fuel on top of it as well.
3: When you mentioned, you know, like, because everyone's talking about inflation and and everything is going up. When you go out to get your your shopping on a Friday or whatever day you you do your weekly shop, everyone is noticing things on the shelves are starting to, to go to go up. Uh, is some of that down to transportation costs? Because obviously, it's it's more expensive now for companies to get items from A to B. Yeah,
9: like as you mentioned, inflation in Ireland is now running at five and a half percent. That's the highest since two thousand and one. And figures show the most significant increase was recorded in transport, which rose by about 16% due to higher prices for diesel, petrol and vehicles. So transport would definitely be a factor in that as well. Um, So, yeah, as I mentioned, people are paying for it in every aspect of their life, really, which is uh, very unfair and it is very unfortunate. And as I mentioned, I don't see fuel prices coming down. So unless something is done in the area of, you know, taxation or, you know, reducing tax, which will be hard as well because you do have to look at it, you know, taxes those taxes raise about five billion for the exchequer each year. So they're they're going to be slow to reduce these taxes if at all.
3: Yeah, and of course, we're we're now starting to see people heading back in to work because of the COVID uh, restrictions. There are some people who, you know, two years have been at home for two years. They haven't had the daily commute. They must be getting some rude awakening when they're heading into work now.
9: Absolutely. I mean, if even if you were travelling this time last year, which a lot of us weren't, like a lot of us have been working from home for the bones of two years now and we're still... You know going in only maybe one or two days a week or as we are back full time to the offices and if you were traveling last year or the year before, like in the last year they have increased by an average of thirty two percent so that is massive I mean you know that's a huge chunk of your your money coming out of your pocket basically and I know that I did mention that the average was one hundred and seventy for petrol but that's a lot higher in some areas. Some people Mm -hmm. have been on to me saying that it, it, it has reached 177 so it is costing people a lot of money and people have gotten a shock and as I mentioned if you don't live in an area where public transport is available to you the only thing you can rely on is your car.
3: And that's why, it, when you know, whenever we talk to you about it's always average prices is, 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 is what we're talking about, the average price uh, nationwide. We need, all of us as motorists need to be aware of how much the price of petrol or diesel is at your local garage and keep an eye if you're out anywhere and you see it less to go in there and get your fill.
9: Exactly, yeah. We do usually say to shop around, but it is it is quite hard when the prices aren't really varying that much. But as you said, if you do... Don't just stick to the same place. If you do see somewhere else that will be cheaper, that even if it saves yourself a couple of cents, you know, each time you top up, that is at least something. Mm. So do keep an eye on the prices. They might differ uh, in different stations in rural areas. But as I said, you know, they are gone quite high nearly, well, everywhere now.
3: So the government have it within their remit to help out the motorists, even if they just, I, I can't see the carbon tax ever being reduced, but even if they reduced the VAT by a couple of cents?
9: Yeah, like VAT is at 20, 20% now, so I think it's about 30 cents, you know, thats that we're paying now on the cost at the minute. So if they did even reduce that, that would be some help to people. As you mentioned, carbon tax probably isn't going to come down because they brought that up by €7.50 per tonne in the budget last year, and it's going to continue to increase each year until 2029-2030, so that's not going to come down. But 60% of tax at the pumps is a very large amount to be paying, so something does need to be done.
3: OK, one of our listeners, uh, Ted, says, with the rising, ever-rising cost of fuel, is this not a good time to move to electric vehicles? It's the cost involved, isn't it, in going electric?
9: Yeah, like electric vehicles are still quite expensive for a lot of people. We do know that you know there are grants for battery electric electric vehicles of up to five thousand euros and a home charger grant of up to six hundred euros. So there are these grants in place. During last year, I think seventy million euro was allocated in grants, and this year they're going to allocate funds of up to one hundred million euro. Um, we do all we do know though that for plug-in hybrid electric vehicles those grants were taken away just at the start of this year. So that was quite tough when things are only getting up and going. But we do know as well that the government are urging people towards electric vehicles. They want about 1 million on the road by 2030. They have set out targets. They set out a target in 2008 to have about 230,000 vehicles on the road by 2020. That was missed by about 200,000 vehicles. So unless consumer attitude um, it's changed and there is consumer awareness around, you know, this whole thing about range anxiety and, you know, the charging infrastructure needs to be improved. So unless all those things are fixed and highlighted and, you know, solved, people won't, are, will be slow to move to electric vehicles. But, you know, we do know forty seven thousand to 7,000 vehicles, EVs have been sold so far. 15,000 of those were sold in 2021. The sales are up. Mm. They're not where we want them to be, but they are definitely up. So I, more people are definitely moving towards them. But I feel like a lot more people would move towards them if their worries or their concerns were addressed.
3: Yeah, they, they, they need more confidence before they'll go out, and, and exactly. sp- especially when it is such an expensive item uh, to buy. Uh, Claire reckons the carbon tax should be suspended, even if just for a few months in view of the high fuel prices. Could you ever see that happening, Anna?
9: I don't think so. Just if uh, the government are, you know, moving towards having climate change and global warming, I don't see that happening. Uh, but I do certainly think that something does need to be done in the area of taxation, whether it's VAT or, or elsewhere, you know, I don't see the carbon tax coming down or being affected, unfortunately.
10: Okay, and just
3: finally, while we have you on, as soon as you are with the AA, and this is on the buying of second-hand uh, cars. We had um, one of our local Gardaí on. They do a weekly slot on the programme yesterday, and Sergeant John Kelly was just advising people to be very careful when they're buying a second-hand car, particularly buying a second-hand car from an individual. And he was saying, you know, use a local garage or use a registered dealer. Is that something you'd very much advocate at the
2: AA?
9: Yeah, like, you do have to be careful, definitely. Um, you know, if you are buying a second-hand car, I would stick with that advice uh, that the guarantee gave. And also you have to be uh, careful as well about out- outstanding finance or anything like that. And, you know, never go on your own. Always bring someone with you just to get a second opinion if you are going to look at a car or anything like that. So, yeah, I would stick to that advice,
4: Certainly.
3: Okay. All right, listen, Anna, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is Anna Cullen of the AA on the ongoing uh, situation with petrol prices and uh, no real sign or hope of it coming down. And as Anna mentioned, and actually I spotted it in, I'm sure, the Daily Mail, their front page story is on about it as well, saying that we as motorists can expect record fuel prices uh, because of the situation that's happening in the Ukraine and the border crisis. Uh, and it, it's going to send, it is already sending the cost of the crude oil soaring. And that's as I said. It's just like it's a perfect storm at the moment. John Paul taking your calls. 0818103103 103. You can text. You can WhatsApp to 0862103103
6: Court
2: today on C one
6: zero three with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk; they walk the walk. Cmig.ie.
3: Tomorrow, members of Mallow Fire Service will be getting down and hopefully not getting too dirty, as they will be providing a local car wash service with all proceeds raised going to the Community Air Ambulance. Joining me with further details, one of the firefighters involved and that's Callum Robinson. Good morning to you Callum. Good morning
11: Patricia. And Thanks for having me on. Well
3: listen, you're you're very welcome and, and well done on, on this. Firstly now, the details. Where would you be operating this car wash service?
11: So yeah, um, this car wash will be run <coughs> at Mallow Fire Station. So it'll be held behind the station itself, if anybody knows it. Um, And yeah, it'll be local firefighters and maybe one or two uh, guys from the Civil Defence as well.
3: So you just drive into the fire station?
11: Yeah, so the station is located in between the two roundabouts in Mallow, the Corkside Roundabout and the Limerick Roundabout. So people will be entering at the left-hand side of the station, yeah, and it'll be a, a one-way system. Bring in the cars around the back of the station; they'll get their cars washed, and then they'll exit at the Limerick roundabout.
3: And you're all really good at washing cars, I'm told.
11: <laughs> we are, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like we we go on a lot of a lot of calls, you know, and every call that we go on, when we come back, we wash all the equipment, all the trucks, making sure that it's in tip top shape for the next incident
3: you Oh, know? I was joking when I said you're all experts at washing cars. <laughs> you actually are. Okay, all right, that's that's re- really good to uh, to hear. And the proceeds go into the community air ambulance. Now, Callum, how how closely do you work with the guys at the community air ambulance?
11: We've we've had a couple of incidents where we've worked um together, you know, it all depends on the incident, but generally if the if the air ambulance is coming, it's going to be a going to be a serious incident, whether it be a medical incident such as a cardiac arrest or a massive traumatic incident such as a a car accident on the road, you know.
3: And how long have you been a firefighter?
11: Um, I suppose I joined in 2016, so nearly six years now I've been a, a retained firefighter at Mallow Station, yeah.
3: So you can see at first hand how lives are saved because an oh, air ambulance was available?
11: Massively, yeah. I mean, it's not only because of the speed that the, the air ambulance can get to us and transport, it's it's conditions during transport as well. I mean, the roads in Ireland, I mean, if we're looking after somebody with a possible uh, cervical injury, then driving the roads, it's not ideal, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, so getting getting quick transport to the nearest hospital or wherever they need to go is is ideal, you know.
3: Yeah, and it also ensures I mean, obviously, it very obviously saves lives in things like cardiac arrest uh, situations, but for people say who are involved in a very serious road accident, the quicker that person can get the treatment they need, it can save them from maybe having, you know, life-altering injuries afterwards.
11: Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, in the case of say cardiac arrest, I mean, the, the patients will need to be brought to the the nearest PCI centre, um, and you and they say within the hour. I mean, you have to get them there within the hour, um, and between extrication out of the car or wherever they are, you know, to, like time does slip away very easily. So the air ambulance is is a massive massive service for the community. Um, I think it, it it can actually provide. Medical care within twenty minutes in a twenty-five thousand uh, meter radius or cl- or twenty-five thousand kilometer radius. Sorry.
10: Mm.
3: Yeah, it's it's you it's, know it, it is it, it it is vital. And obviously, Callum, when you'd be working with the community air ambulance, it's when you've been called in many cases. It's to a road traffic accident, and you're the guys responsible yeah. for if somebody's trapped in a car. Is it?
11: Yeah, exactly. So primarily the fire service will be looking after the extrication of the patient. Um, Usually when a car crashes, you know, panels and the panels fold in. So that would make the doors unable to open in their normal way, you know. So we have to take the doors off. We have to take the roof off. And depending on injuries as well, like we have to make sure that the patient comes out in, a safe manner in a controlled manner to reduce any further injury. So yeah, there's a, there's a bit of work involved, you know,
10: mm.
11: um, between all agencies. And I suppose while we're extricate, while we're helping to get the patients out of the care, you've got the likes of the ambulance service, the the Irish Air Ambulance lads that will be providing medical care inside the care.
3: And is is it almost like a relief to you guys when you see the air ambulance, knowing that this person is going to get to wherever they yeah. need to get to as quickly as possible.
11: De- definitely, yeah. I mean, again, with with extensive injuries, you know, the, the, the chances of survival reduce, you know. Uh, so if we can get them treated and transported to the local hospital, then they've got a lot greater chance of survival and, you know, life-altering injuries afterwards, um, mm-hmm. they'd be reduced as well.
3: Oh during your time as a firefighter uh, Callum, uh, and at those road traffic accidents have you witnessed some horrific scenes um
11: i have i've I've witnessed some horrific scenes yes but you got to take the good with the bad i've also seen you know great things come uh as a firefighter so you know it's just like anything really um just got to take it with a pinch of salt you know i mean these things unfortunately do happen so if if we can help in any way, then we'd be happy to, you know.
3: Yeah, and that's why it's great that you guys are are there. And you say you're a retained firefighter. That means you you have a full time job, have you? And you're also a firefighter.
11: Yeah, I, well, I have a part time job outside of the fire service. I work as a personal trainer um, and gym instructor. Um, so, and and most of the rest of the lads have their own jobs as well. I mean, there are there are two mechanics in in our brigade. There's do you know, there's a there's a whole range of jobs that we have that we have during the day as well. And then when the call comes in we have
7: to we have to be able to drop whatever we're doing and go and run. You know.
3: Yeah. Now, now you've spurred a bit of interest now. You're a personal trainer.
11: <laughs> I am, yeah. Okay,
3: yeah. now I'm thinking now, you see, we're thinking car wash, personal trainer. Weather isn't <laughs> I'm just thinking of the weather wise mm, we could get a good calendar out of this, could we yet? Um, I don't know. I'll have to ask
11: the rest of the <laughs> lads, but uh, I'm sure they'll be up for it. Yeah.
3: So <laughs> you could train them all, and this time next year we could have a really beefy calendar coming out Aye. of of the out of the Man of Fire service. It's all for a good cause, isn't it? It is. It is. <laughs> Listen, you're 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 fantastic, uh, guys. So the time tomorrow for people to get their cars washed?
11: Yeah. So we're we're hoping to start by ten o'clock. Um, so yeah, ten o'clock moving forward. um the lads have other things to; uh, they've got jobs to do as well. So I don't, I don't know how long we're going to be there, but hopefully up until
3: two. Two, so, okay. Get you the know, mor- get yeah. the morning out of it. And have exactly, you, have yeah. you a suggested donation that people can give to get their car uh, washed? Well, yeah, I
5: mean,
11: there's we we put down um, a general kind of price for a car wash, so eight euro for a car, ten euro for a jeep. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, all donations raised on the day would be greatly appreciated.
3: You know, yeah, because we go my, we go back again to the fact that the community air ambulance is a charity. They have to fundraise to yeah. keep that up in the air.
11: Yeah, it's it's completely kept going by the community, yeah. Um hopefully in time the government will step in and be able to say that yeah, this is a great service, we need this and maybe they'll be able to help out but until then it's, it's on us
3: you know. Yeah and I just earlier just in this hour before I, you joined me Callum I was speaking with the AA about the rising cost of diesel and fuel yeah. fuel prices so, and that is a knock on effect for the community air ambulance because of the amount oh. of fuel they use
11: Massively, yeah. Now I don't know the size of their tank but it's definitely bigger than
3: our cars. Listen, I hope you get to wash lots and lots of cars tomorrow uh, Callum. Uh, It was was a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, Best of luck with it and hi to all of the gang at the fire service in Mano.
11: I'm looking forward to it, yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks a million.
3: Bye-bye, bye-bye. That is uh, Callum Robinson, one of the firefighters taking part in that charity car wash tomorrow. If your car needs a wash can you head out to the fire station in Mallow anytime from 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. A number of comments coming in about passports. I will get to those after 12 o'clock uh, today. And somebody says to the listener who rang saying that they're trying to get through to the dog's home. They're trying to get their dog back from the dog's home and they're not answering the phone. Somebody said, tell that person they need to ring Cork County Council about the dog's, the dog of the dog home because it's Cork County Council. Run the dog's home. So tell her to ring Cork County Council Our City Council. I don't know where that person is texting from. Okay, thank you for that. Okay, let's take a quick break. We've got news at 12 on the way. Cork
2: Today on C103.
6: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. See mig.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay phone and text lines are currently closed
3: Mag says Patricia that firefighter that you had on had a lovely soothing voice I could listen to him all day that was uh, Callum Robinson he did have a lovely voice and he's a PT trainer as well uh, somebody says when, could you give the a shout out again to when Mallow Fire Service are doing that charity uh, car wash it's uh, tomorrow tomorrow Saturday 10am to about 2 o'clock they reckon they'll knock the morning out of it and it is in the you just head to Mallow fire station, which is between the two roundabouts in Mallow, if you're not from the area. And we wish them luck with it because they say they're doing it all for the Irish Community Air Ambulance, which is a fantastic uh, service indeed. Do I have a caller? No, the person isn't there. Okay. Now, can I get to some of your comments that are in on passports, uh, please? We were hoping to speak with somebody, but uh, she's not available. But but can I read out Elaine's comment instead, I will you? Okay. Some of your thoughts in on passports. And this is to do with Patricia, who Joined us. Who's, ha- who's having problems, she's applied for her passport online, straightforward passport renewal, everything's going fine until she goes to in the part where you need to pay the money and it times out and boom she's gone, she's tried it a few times and we're trying to work out our others having similar problems. Well I've got a number of texts in from people saying, saying I was listening to you, Patricia earlier about the passports, I applied online on Wednesday night about 10 o'clock for my wife and myself's passport. My wife received her passport this morning by post. There's a service uh, for uh, you. Uh, Indeed. Hi Patricia. My daughter applied for her passport online uh, late also on Wednesday night of last week and her passport arrived on the Friday morning. Unbelievable speed. Same story for my husband about a month ago. I'm surprised to hear Patricia, your listener who joined you her experience. I hope she does get sorted out. Then someone Else said, listening to Patricia, her son had very similar problems, but that was pre COVID when trying to do it online. So there's obviously times when you're contacting online passport services they seem to run into difficulty now here's one this is Elaine in Butterfant was on and I'm scratching my head and I really don't know what's going on here Elaine was also trying to renew her uh, passport she had everything done and the, and then for them to issue the passport she got sent an email with a cover form to fill in this uh, she said they they wanted her to send extra details things like her marriage forms her old passport etc and they asked her to click on a link but she she said she couldn't go any further as soon as she tried to click on the link the cover form would not uh, open the link it just keeps coming up as that it's it's gone out of time which and that was the wording that Patricia used as well that you've timed uh, out and she's wondering has that happened to anybody else you're going to need to make contact with the passport office because i really don't know what that's about they can look for additional information but i know i can personally say from my own experience of getting a passport last week no additional they they did say that they may look for Information. Or they may look for you to produce the forms the way the old fashioned way when you first applied for your passport, you would to send a, anything in, but they certainly didn't. So I would be, I'd begin making contact with them, Elaine. Well, you're going to have no, no choice. If you can't get through on the link, I'd be making contact to find out exactly what that is all about. So it does look like the majority of people saying online service working really well, very efficient uh, service, but for others, they seem to be having a uh, difficulty. So the advice I gave to Patricia, I think, still stands to maybe try and email and see because she's not in a rush to get her passport but I would be fearful of anybody who was in a rush to get a passport who would be coming up with those kind of uh, problems and just on the postal service because so many people are saying that they post the passports operating really quickly and then they get it out in the post now I don't know whether that comes I can't remember if it came express post or not when it arrived but Mary is on to us wondering is anybody else finding that the postal service has become very slow at the moment the reason she ponders this question she posted a letter to Carlo on Thursday the 20th of January which would have been yesterday week and she still hasn't arrived at the destination in uh, Carlo and she said before people ask she had a full address on it she even had the air coat she thinks six working days seems a bit strange have a lovely weekend all says Mary indeed have a lovely weekend yourself listen I would say hang in there uh, hopefully it will arrive it obviously has missed the post today hopefully it'll be there by Monday I know all of the post men and women are really working flat out they've had the ongoing problem that so many businesses have with so many people either out sick or so many people self-isolating so the postmen and women that are left are trying to pick up the flack so there has been a problem post I know last week and the week before certainly we were talking about people who were saying that post was late coming and only last week we had people saying that they got Christmas cards that had been posted before Christmas and they only arrived. So I think just a little bit, I think we all have to be a little bit patient at the moment with everything that's going on with uh, COVID. Thank you for your text uh, Mary. Now on Home Helps and Home Helps getting the 1,000 euro bonus and we kicked off the programme with this when Michael Collins from West Cork joined us because he had been fighting on behalf of home helps for the €1,000 COVID bonus to be extended to them and he was delighted to tell us that he got the official confirmation in the doll yesterday from Michael McGrath the Minister for Public Expenditure to confirm that all home help workers employed directly by the HSE or by a private provider doing the work on behalf of the HSC are to be included in this recognition payment for the great work that they did during the pandemic A couple of people have been on about that including here's one saying how are home helps getting this 1,000 euro bonus weren't many of them restricted from going into people's houses as there was fear they might spread the virus. This whole pandemic bonus seems to be getting more ridiculous every day and the poor nurses that risked their lives every day to save lives, the ones who were at the front line, the ones who were wearing the full PPE gear. What about delivery drivers? They kept working to supply goods that we all needed and to keep us fed. Where is all this money coming from? And the poor in the world suffering all the time trying to just keep warm with fuel and gas uh, and everything going up. So somebody not in favour of Home Helps receiving the uh, bonus. And... Um, Hi Patricia, did the government acknowledge payment of the bonus for the agency healthcare staff? They did. I know they came out earlier with that because it turned out in the very early stages some of the people you know who answered Ireland's call and who came back from overseas and they ended up working through agencies. It looked like they weren't going to be included but they certainly rectified that at the beginning. And then... Advice please for this listener who just signs as a loyal listener and doesn't want her name uh, called out and this is to do with the home help situation as well. Morning to Patricia. After hearing you on the radio this morning I feel I just need to tell you my story. Whether or not you want to share it with your listeners or not but please, please, please do not call out my name or the town in which I live. I'm an elderly lady. I live alone and six years ago I became quite unwell. I was told to apply for home help uh, and I did because I'm not very mobile. I received the home help. It was great for about two and a half years. However, since then, I haven't seen her. She hasn't called anymore. I know she's around town boasting that she's getting her weekly payment for doing nothing. And now am I to be told that she's to receive another uh, €1,000? Now, I'm very, very lucky. My neighbours are so good to me. They do the shopping for me always. But as I say, I'm not very n- mobile. What I really we- need help with is some housework, the hoovering, general, just keeping the house in uh, order. I'm telling you this because I'm really looking for advice. Do I need to report this woman so I can receive the help that I so badly need? And that's signed, kind regards a lo- loyal listener. Okay, do I. I'm taking from your email. Did the home help stop calling because of the pandemic? Because that did happen in many cases. In many cases households said no they didn't want anybody coming in if there was a very elderly vulnerable person and in other cases Home helps were redirected to other work. So therefore people, maybe like you good self, lost the home help hours or they were suspended for the time of the pandemic. And I don't really know what category you fall into. But what I would suggest you do is you need to contact the home help coordinator to find out why your home help has stopped calling to you. Because if you were allocated home help hours then the allocation is there for you. So I don't know where, what part of the city or where well, you're in a town, so you're from the county. I don't know what part of the county you are calling me from, but there will be a home health coordinator in every area. If you can get on the public health nurses, I know work very closely with the home health coordinator. As far as it's the public health nurse, isn't it? It's the one who decides if somebody needs to have a home care package and needs to have home health hours. So if you can't find a number for the home health coordinator, get in contact with your local public health nurse for your area and tell them what's going on. Because... If you've been allocated hours, then you are entitled to them. And it's fantastic that you've got really good neighbours. But at the end of the day, you are, if you're allocated these hours, then you are entitled uh, to them. So we'll put it out as well to see have others found themselves in that situation, that they had an allocation of home help hours and then the pandemic arrived. And for whatever reason, you decided to suspend the home helps, but you need them back now are the home help in this case just suddenly stopped calling if anybody can offer advice to that uh, listener who really does sound she's in a tricky situation and there but for the goodness of her neighbours her situation would be way worse 0862 103 103 or you can call John Paul lines have been busy so have patience please with John Paul to 0818 103 103. on the price of fuel that we discussed earlier on On the program, Patricia. Please remember that petrol and diesel only costs about sixty cent per litre, maybe even less. The rest is government taxation. So, if we are going, so if we are going as well as Pascal is saying, we're doing, perhaps a short term cut, a reduction of tax wouldn't hurt. That's from Dan and I did say that to the AA and they did point it out I think it's 60% of every litre of of what you pay on a petrol, 60% of it goes to the to the government, to the exchequer in all different forms of tax. I mean one of them is VAT but there's also carbon tax uh, as well and so yes it is within their remit to give us some kind of a little break and as, as Dan says, just in the short term, it's not that you're going to reduce the tax and say we're never going to pay tax on our fuel again but could they not in some way just give Motorists, a little bit of a break. I think, Dan, a lot of people would agree with you that we all deserve that. Uh, we all deserve that break. Listen listener wants to know can you renew your passport uh, with your vaccination cert? I've had two vaccines, but I haven't had my booster. No, the renewal of your passport has got nothing whatsoever to do with your vaccination certificate. The only thing is you're going to need an updated COVID cert if you're traveling. And remember what we mentioned earlier on, and we're trying to get clarification on there's only a nine month expiry date on those so you would need your booster if you are planning on travelling during the summer but to apply for your passport, no, that's not in any way linked to your COVID certificate. And Kay says, Patricia, while well, everybody's talking about passports and renewal of passports today, would you give a shout out and a reminder to people whose driving licence was due any from September 2nd to June 21st. They were the people that got the 10-month extension. remember they put a 10-month extension on uh, because of the uh, pandemic? Will you tell them that they need to apply before the 10 months are up or they could be driving around and their driving licence will actually really be out of date. So if you've got a 10 month extension and your original driver's licence was to expire between September 20th and June 21st make sure you apply please for your driver's licence. Now it's great to see festivals are starting up again and organising committees are getting involved to organise what way their festivals are going to look this uh, summer and there's a festival going ahead in town. and joining me is uh, Niall O'Mahony, because they're hoping to enter the Guinness Book of World Records as part of the Newstest Town Festival this year. Good afternoon to you, Niall.
12: Good afternoon, uh, Patricia. You're, Thank you for having us on.
3: Well, you're, you're very welcome. So is it all systems go for the Newstest Town Festival this year, please God?
12: Well, please God, no, no more COVID and, and more interruptions. But uh, yeah, we've just had a first couple of meetings there, so um, we've been looking at this for a long time, actually, because we've had two years with no festival. So we were looking at um, how to incorporate the Michael Collins' uh, 100th anniversary into it. Um, so the quirky idea was, on the day of the commemoration in, uh, at the monument, to maybe afterwards have um, a gathering of the most Michael Collinses ever.
3: So anyone with the name Michael Collins?
12: Anyone with the name Michael Collins, from West Cork to, 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 to Belfast to New York, oh. whoever.
3: <laughs> okay, they can be. Yeah, obviously, they can be from from and without insulting any Michael Collins. It's a fairly common name, isn't it?
12: Well, if you if you pull out the old phone book, there's a good few pages of it. All right, yeah. Um, there's three or four in this parish alone. So, look, it, it's something that we said look for 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 a bit of fun and and uh, maybe create our own little record here and uh, to acknowledge Michael Collins as well. And that this may be a way of doing it.
3: Great. I think it's a fantastic thing to do. I really think it's a fantastic thing to do. And your festival runs when?
12: Our festival starts on the 14th of August up to the 21st of August. Uh, the, the actual um, ambush day is the 22nd, but the commemoration will be happening on the Sunday down at the monument. So we'll be gathering the people up to the village in Newstone, which is only two miles up the road. Uh, we'll have live music with Bob the donkey and a whole lot of other events on the whole week. But that would be the big day. Okay. Um, get as
3: so many as Michael Collins as we can. So it's the 21st people would need the to be... The 21st, a, yeah. on the Sunday, the 21st
12: is the day for the gathering of the Michael Collins. Okay,
3: we need to, we need to, to get the word out we'll to anyone to who is a Michael Collins or if you know a Michael Collins. And there's also the possibility that it could be a family name, that Michael could be the family name, so you could have generations oh, yeah. of... You could. Have, you,
12: could. Yeah. you could have that fine, yeah. We'll cater for them all, yeah. we have a lot of room. we <laughs> some of them.
3: Well I've um, I've fir- the first Michael Collins for you and that's the local your know, West Cork TD is Michael Collins.
12: Yes, I I'm trying to chase him up for a few days there but um I will be speaking to him um, uh, in the next few days as well yeah. He Hope it will be our he'll empty. definitely,
3: he'll definitely show. He'll definitely show. There's one anyway. So yeah, any, course, yeah, yeah. so we need to, we need you to get the word out to people outside of the West Cork area, anywhere <coughs> in Ireland who be willing to travel. And you say even overseas, people can, could maybe incorporate it into their holiday plans. Into
12: their holidays, that's the idea. That there might be um, tourists around that time of the year, and um, you know, people haven't been home to Ireland in a couple of years, so maybe that there would be a few of them around. So we we we'd accept anybody from anywhere with the name him.
3: Guinness Book of Records, end of it then? Well,
12: Guinness Book of <laughs> Records is where uh, we're waiting to get back from them, but we probably won't be going down that lane, but we'll you get never our own know. records. You'll never know. We'll you'll, make,
3: you'll make your own record. Once you've got the records, that's it. Yeah, yeah, and you that's never it. know. Maybe maybe Guinness, um, they, they might decide to include it. Have you any other plans for the festival Well,
12: well we have a lot of other plans um, um, just after a couple of meetings, so we, we'll have a full event uh, uh, every night that, that week, but um, really the Sunday would be the big one. And we're also hoping to get the word out, uh, Patricia, out to uh, Liam Neeson. I mean, what greater Michael Collins had oh, we ever done?
4: Yeah, And that
12: would be that would be a pushing it now. But he's around and he could be in the country and he could yeah, be anywhere somewhere, yeah. but he's somewhere north of him. Um, so if we could get the word out to Liam Neeson, uh, and he's we, for, we He's him.
3: very proud of the role he played in that movie.
12: He is. He did a fantastic job and he's very proud of it. I always mention that Yeah, it was an, an honour to do what he did, so... You know, it's just something we can we can hope for.
3: OK, if anybody knows Liam Neeson, will you put the shout-out <laughs> that we need him in Noosestown? Just for one day, we'll do fine? 21st one, of one August? One day, 21st,
12: yeah. We'll oh, talk like to
3: you closer to the time, but in the meantime, let's get the message out to all the Michael Collinses. The shout-out has gone to come to Noosestown, please. Listen, Niall, thank you for that. Thank you, Patricia. Thanks for and thanks, thanks for joining for us. Uh, bye-bye, bye-bye. Niall and mandy that's a, a quirky and uh, a lovely thing to do and a way as well. It is, of course, the 100th anniversary of... Um, the death of Michael Collins will be the final day. Actually, just on anniversaries and and I wanted to make sure that I didn't let the programme go without uh, mentioning it. This Sunday... Uh, this yeah, it is actually Sunday, isn't it? This weekend, yes, yeah, the fiftieth anniversary of the Bloody Sunday uh, massacre when the bullets uh, flew across the Bogside in nineteen seventy-two Sunday, the thirtieth of uh, January. So it's actually falling on the Sunday as well. Uh, Fifty uh, years on uh, the result of that massacre on that day. 13 people died on the actual day and then there was 14 severely injured and i i have family living in Derry and, and anyone from Derry would say that you know Derry was never ever the same Uh, again uh, after it and of course then it took what four decades before the Savile report eventually established the innocence of each and every one of those uh, victims and that was the time that the then British Prime Minister David Cameron finally uh, uh, formally apologised to, to, uh, for, for all of the deaths and all of the atrocities on bloody Sunday and placed the burden of guilt squarely on the shoulders of the uh, paratroopers and nobody ever wants us to return to those days. So that's why it's imperative that the Brexit protocol negotiations, that they're wrapped up so that the peace process is fully maintained. So this th- Sunday, please, if you can take time just to think of all of those who died and those who were injured and to their families who are 50 years on, uh, many of them still uh, suffering. And as I say it's happening on a Sunday. Okay back to some of your calls coming in on the pandemic bonus and people giving out about the pandemic bonus and people saying other oh, groups should be involved and who should be involved, who should get it who shouldn't get it. Joe in Bandon says it's a disgrace. Eaten bread is now forgotten. At first he said there was candles lighting in the windows for the HSE workers and people were out clapping for them and the minute money is mentioned they're all out grabbing trying to get it My wife says Joe is a nurse She was redeployed to look after people with COVID-19 A lot of those people by the way died She then came home to look after her family She wasn't getting paid anything extra for any of this I also worked during the pandemic but I just got on with it It's those within the hospitals should be the only one who are who will should receive this uh, payment, and that's from uh, Joe. And then John, in was on saying the section thirty nine workers are they entitled to the recognition of these bonuses? Those working in the disability sector, like Cope, Co Action, etc. A lot of these people were drafted out to homes individually to take care of service uh, users so they never stopped working. I mentioned them, I don't know if you were listening to the programme earlier John, I actually mentioned them when I was speaking with Deputy Michael Collins at the moment Section 39 workers are not included in the bonus but I do know there is a campaign on to try and get them included they're another one of the groups that people feel should be included. And then Nancy in Bantry got a text to say her covert certificate was available online. She doesn't do online. She wants a paper version of it. She said, I've spent the entire last week trying to get on to the HSE. She's been on to a host of different numbers at one stage. She stayed on for an hour and a half still wasn't able to get through to uh, anyone. She's been trying all uh, week but having no luck speaking to anyone. She's very, very frustrated uh, with it. Nancy, I would say the best thing you can do is if you have somebody you know who can go online for you Download the COVID certificate and then you can print it off and you will have the paper version because they really are. They will say that they're just so busy that they're doing their best to answer all of the calls. But you're not the only one that I have seen who has been really, really frustrated trying to get through to to try and get a paper version of their COVID certificate. So if you have somebody who will be able to do it online for you, it is probably the best way uh, to do it. OAS 18103 103 lines open.
2: Court today on C103
6: with John Cusack Insurances Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. C-103's Irish Sunday is the big show on your radio. Sunday mornings from 10. Four hours
2: of all-time favourites from Clean Hagen to Mike Denver.
6: Susan McCann to Derek Ryan.
2: And Daniel O'Donnell to Nathan Carter.
6: It's Cork's greatest...
1: Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
6: It's guaranteed. And everyone
2: is Irish.
6: Join us Sunday mornings from 10 a.m. Irish Sunday on C103.
2: This is the Cork Today replay on C103.
3: Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, joins us with some suggestions of movies this week. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. Okay, you watched two movies, Being the Ricardos and the other is The Card Counter. Which would you like to speak to us about first?
13: Well, we might as well do uh, Being the Ricardos okay. um, because I think it's uh, the more interesting of uh, the two films. Unfortunately, both films kind of ended up being kind of really kind of disappointing for me. Uh, I was really looking forward to seeing both because we got some big stars here and some big name kind of directors as well. But uh, unfortunately, both kind of were a little bit disappointing. But we talk about the, the Being the Ricardos first because the, the, this one, it's, it's about Lucille Ball.
3: Yeah, this is uh, the one with Nicole Kidman playing Lucille Ball.
13: Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I suppose, like you and me, we grew up watching I yeah. Love Lucy, which was kind of a mainstay of our kind of television program watching. And uh, like everybody, we loved her. Um, I mean, she was an extraordinary woman, you know what I mean? And very much a kind of a powerhouse of kind of uh, TV in America uh, back in from, from the 50s onwards. Um, she was the first woman, for example, to own her own studio. She was the first to kind of portray kind of an, in, an interracial marriage, as they called it, even though he was Cuban, it was interracial marriage at the De- time. And Desi she was the Ar- first woman.
3: De- Desi Arnaz, I can still remember his name.
13: Desi Arnaz, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And also the fact that she was also the first woman um, in a sitcom to have a baby On screen. I mean, it's extraordinary when you consider just how conservative, you know, American TV was at that time. And in fact, I mean, and so the film basically, even though it's kind of, even though the events that we see in the film here actually happen over like about six years, they're all condensed into one week here. Um, and so um, all of the things that happened didn't happen in this kind of one week, um, and they're all, they, but they are very very interesting because it's basically about her battles against the studios and trying to kind of dictate to the studios what exactly she wanted because she was very very powerful and uh, and uh, and and very much knew what she wanted. Um, and for example, the way in which the uh, studios, for example, dealt with um, Desi Arnaz was a very very good example. They just saw him as being this kind of immigrant who. Who had nothing really to say for himself, but in fact she had to constantly remind them that he was a powerhouse in the industry and to try and kind of reduce the amount of racism that he was kind of at that time kind of receiving, as well as dealing with sexism and as well as dealing with um, the papers, because the papers at that time also, basically, I mean you talk about the papers nowadays, I mean they were particularly seedy at that time and whilst during the making of the film here, as, as they're leading up to kind of recording a live episode of her show, it's been revealed that she was a member of the communist party uh, now her father was but she wasn't necessarily and um and so of course that at that time um, um at that time of mccarthyism of course um you know it was quite a controversial thing so the film kind of deals with with all of these um issues once at the same time and i think for me this was kind of the best part of the film um shows the construct of trying to put a show together and and what they had to do because you and i will just simply watch a show and it looks as though it's been really really kind of it, it's funny and and off the cuff in fact the reality was very very different because what she used to do is she used to have this constant battle against directors constant battle with her writers um and she would break down scenes she would constantly ask questions she said why would i do this why would i wouldn't i do this i want to do this instead um because her her, her battles with her directors especially because they she always kind of maintained, they don't understand me. They don't understand slapstick, which is basically what she wanted to do. Um The performance, though, um, unfortunately for me anyway, of Nicole Kidman is a bit odd. She's at her best when they do reconstruct some of Lucy's kind of best known sketches. Do you remember the, there's a very famous sketch where she's in France and they're making wine and she steps into a vat of grapes. Yeah, to crush the grapes. You know, grapes. in the old days? Yeah, yeah. It's a very, very famous scene. And so when they recreate that, we do see Nicole Kidman kind of being a little bit more expressive and a little bit more Lucy-like. Unfortunately, when when, when those scenes aren't in, in process, her performance is very, very odd. It's very, very strange and it's very sober. And I wanted a little bit more from her. And this is written and directed by Aaron Sorkin. And unfortunately for me, his portrayal of Lucy here, yes she's a strong woman and yes we want to see that but at the same time she comes across as not a very nice person and especially the way in which she treats her writing staff and the way in which she kind of treats uh, her director it's almost kind of uh, you know is uh, almost, uh, almost exposes a kind of a level of bullying really I and mean, it doesn't really portray her as positively as I would like uh, because I grew up thinking that she was great and she is and I would have liked to have seen a lighter side to her her daughter Lucy Arnaz has given her blessing to the film she says look I think it's terrific and it's fabulous and I love the portrayal of my parents here so I mean she would know them better uh, than we do uh, Javier Bardem is brilliant as Desi Arnaz everybody is very very good in it um, I just wish that it, uh, we had seen the lighter side of of Lucy rather than the kind of harsh and very kind of uh, strict kind of uh, emotional side to her. Um, but yeah, I, I ended up enjoying it. You don't want
3: it. a movie like this to almost ruin our memories of something that was all part of our childhood.
13: Um, It doesn't quite do that, I think, but at the same time, it's kind of disappointing. And a lot of, it's not just me, a lot of kind of critics did feel that as well, that the portrayal of her um, was a bit disappointing and that was a bit of a shame. I wish that Nicole Kidman's performance was much better. I don't know what they did to her face, but, you know, there's very little emotion there at times, uh, which is a pity. Um, But it's also two hours, 10 minutes long. It, It is a long film, but it's always fascinating and interesting. And as I say, for me, it was best when we saw them trying to construct and what they have to do uh, to try and produce, you know, this. And remember, you know, nowadays it was pointed out that nowadays, you know, the top shows have about a 10 million uh, viewing figure. In her days, it was 60 million. And the pressures of her and and on her to kind of produce, you know, top quality TV that people would watch um, every week. I mean, it, it was it was quite difficult and it did, unfortunately you know kind of um affect her marriage with desi as well who was a band leader would spend a lot of time at night uh in my clubs which also affected their relationship uh, as well um and uh, yeah but in the end i think i think it i think it's entertaining without necessarily unfortunately uh, being really all that good I'd, I'd like it to have been better
3: okay mark it out of 10
13: i give
3: it six. Six out of ten, okay. And it's called Being the Ricardos. And then the second movie you watched is The Card Counter.
13: Uh, yeah, I mean, um, again, a, a film again where you just end up thinking, well, halfway through it, it just kind of just goes completely off the rails. It starts off really, really good. I mean, the thing about kind of Vegas and 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 poker, I mean, for some reason, it, it makes great movies it's a bit like baseball baseball is not the most exciting of sports but yet some of the greatest sports films ever been made have been baseball movies you know every time you watch a bond movie and uh, and you know there's a card game it's always you know one of the best scenes in the in the film and uh, so i was really looking forward to seeing this film about a card counter now card counting is not illegal uh, but as you can imagine, the casinos don't particularly like it. I mean, you would think look I don't see what the casino's problem is. I mean, if you surely it's it's a way of playing cards. If you're counting and you're watching the cards, therefore to kind of win, then what's wrong with that? But the casinos don't like it at all, and they have every right to kind of ask you to leave their casinos if they feel that you are card card counting. And so basically, what um, Oscar Isaac, here the star of this film, does is when he is card counting, he plays small all the time. He makes the point that look, casinos don't want you. To uh, win big, but they don't mind if you just win small, and so basically that's what he does. Um, at one stage, um, a woman who represents these companies that um, that take in kind of card players, very successful card players, gives them the money to go and play the big games in Vegas, because of course some of those games can go to millions, and then they'll take their cut of, of whatever winning says to her. Says to him, look, you know, you can be really, really good. You can be really, really successful. Um, And he says, look, I just like playing cards. That's all I want to do. I don't mind winning small. We then find out, and this is where then the film kind of takes a really, really weird uh, kind of turn. We find out that he has this extraordinary background and we find out that he was a prison guard at Abu Ghraib uh, Prison, uh, where, as you might remember, uh, a a lot of kind of torture took place. And he admits and he's kind of dealing with the kind of PTSD of that kind of um, time in his life. But at the same time, he reveals to somebody at one stage that he really liked it. He liked the violence. He liked the torture. He liked the smells. He liked the blood. And so therefore, it's it's kind of then at that moment where your kind of emotional response to him kind of changes. And instead of really being supportive of him, you kind of turn against him. And I think that's where the film gets it kind of completely wrong. And the film, so it isn't really about Vegas. It's not really about kind of poker or card playing. The film is about this man's kind of emotional journey. He meets a young man whose father also was in Abu Ghraib. And if you remember, do you remember the photographs from Abu Ghraib that were released some years ago? I do, yeah. uh, Which were quite, yeah, which were quite distressing. Yeah. Uh, As the young man points out to uh, Oscar Isaac, the only people who went to jail were the people who were photographed. Uh, the commanders didn't go to jail. Mm-hmm. And and so we hear then that Oscar Isaac did go to jail because of it. And so the young man wants to um, have his revenge on one of the commanders uh, played here by Willem Dafoe and he wants to kill him. And he wants... Um, um, Oscar Isaac to help him to do that and so then the film becomes about this kind of relationship uh, between these two men and the background and the horrors of Abu Ghraib and so then the whole card playing and kind of poker aspect with kind of takes a kind of a, a back seat and that's when the film just goes completely off the rails and gets weirder and weirder and darker and darker and doesn't really quite work um, for example there's, this, there's, a, there's a car chase halfway through the film which makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> Which has nothing to do with the intensity of the, the the storytelling here, and that's very very strange. And you think you're watching it, going, why why is this happening? And then uh, you're constantly questioning yourself. Then in the second half of the film, as it gets darker and darker and much more explicit and difficult to watch, and by the end of it, I found it difficult to get to the end. I really did, but I did get there, and mainly because of the performance by Oscar Isaac, who's um, who's an actor who's always worth watching.
3: It almost sounds like it's two different movies.
13: Rolled into one. It, yeah, it, and yeah, so it it kind of starts off as 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 I say, a film about Vegas and about card playing, and you think, yeah, this is going to be kind of interesting. You know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, where he goes uh, yeah. from you know um, and it doesn't happen in a very it just different gets turn and more is. violent as the film goes on and unfortunately ends up being really rather disappointing
3: Okay Mark the card counter out of 10 for us please um,
13: I'll give it 5 5 out of 10 alright
3: listen thank you for that Mark have a great week and we'll chat right. again uh, next uh, Friday that is Mark Malone our movie reviewer a couple of texts in about Bingo Hi Patricia would you please mention that Bingo in Butterfield returns to its Monday night slot next Monday 31st of January 8 o'clock with a jackpot of 5,250 everybody welcome and that's from the gang at Butterfant GAA and Middleton GAA bingo starts back to their old time of 7.30 every week they're asking players to be very mindful of safety for themselves and uh, others as they've done the right thing throughout with them that's from Middleton GAA So that's where I leave you for today with a uh, Thanks to John Paul for producing. Nick Richards with you for the afternoon. Talk to you Monday Or 10. today
2: on C103.
6: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Sale, Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. See
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more